I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It is Wednesday, which means it's time for the front three with me, Alan Boltwood, the one and only Dave O'Brien. Breath, get him in the book! And of course, Lawrence what? McKenna. Uh, Ref, keep him out of the book. Mm. Just a book, mate. Got to get him in the book sometimes, haven't you? Some tackles just deserve a yellow card. Oh, oh right. we'll come on to some. We'll come on to some tackles, all right, Dave? Don't you worry about that, gentlemen. It is a pleasure to be with you here this evening. It's a pleasure to have you out there listening as well. Thank you very much for joining us on the front three. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. A lot of football action going on this Wednesday evening. Before we get into it, though, as always, it's comment of the week time, and there's only one winner. This week is Kind Dan 2 on the iTunes reviews. The reviews entitled Take a Bow Son. Nice. Andy Graham. I like it. He said, absolutely quality pod. These lads have got knowledge and banter in abundance. The controversial mm. views, insight, and variation between the three are top. Feels like a real community podcast and is always a joy to listen to. Dan, thank you very much for your review. You get comment of the week this week. The exciting announcement, though is next week, Dave. Well, maybe we'll announce it on mm. this weekend's podcast. I believe you've mm. bagged yourself another prize to give away to one lucky listener. Dave, you're just so generous. You know, one of these listeners is going to win big. Very, very big. How big are we talking, Dave? A million. Oh. 16 on the PS4. Are you talking about a game that came out eight months ago, Dave? You are telling me. No, no. Came, are you came telling out last me? week, mate. There's an update on it, isn't there? Oh. Right, okay. So it's not an eight months. Yeah. It is free though, to be fair. And I mean, yeah. if you walked into game and you got yourself a five finger discount, exactly. you just picked it up off the shelf and you yeah. go, fuck it, I'm from the three. <laughs> Do and I went, you can't take <laughs> I'm from a podcast, back off. And they went, okay. So if you <coughs> if you have been umming and ahhing over the last eight months over to buy FIFA, um and ah, no longer. <laughs> because this is your chance to win a free copy a FIFA 16 on the PS4, I believe, Dave? Yeah, I think that's the, the one. <laughs> even better if it's not like PS3. <laughs> I was like, some obsolete concept. Guys, all you have to do, as always, get on iTunes or your podcast app, rate and review the podcast. Our favourite review is going to win this amazing, not-at-all-out-of-date prize. That's how it goes. Of course, you can win it for the N64. Yes, that's <laughs> right. FIFA 16. Yep. We should get away. <laughs> FIFA 98. Um, FIFA, FIFA 96 <coughs> for Sega Mega Drive. <laughs> uh, Adam, I'm really surprised that I'm surprised this week, Adam, that uh, comments of the week doesn't go to um, Dad Boltwood or even better, the more recent account, Mummy Boltwood. <laughs> I was about to give a, a little mention to that. There's been at least two Dad Boltwood accounts uh, springing up. <laughs> quite unsettling, I felt. You know, quite uh, quite surreal. Doesn't look like my dad. It's, it's also unusual. I mean, it's unusual that your mum is first of all a grandma, and second of all, it, it is definitely a stock image. Yeah, that's what's excellent. <laughs> Her first ever tweet was "Hi there, sweetie. Can you give me a hand working out this Twitter thing? Your dad Boltwood wasn't very helpful." And the second one was, "Please help your dad with the telly, son, and remember to pack the dishwasher before you go out." <laughs> I mean, it's so realistic. It's eerie. Last tweet, the dad is just. <laughs> 
Ellie Ellie, you fucking beautiful man, tweeted Adam Boltwood. Mm, sad face, tweeted Dad Boltwood, clearly to the swearing. <laughs> clearly to the swearing. Censor yourself, Adam. It's just on my real dad as well. So, I mean, it is, like I said, it's eerily accurate. <laughs> also, apparently, my nan listened to the podcast this week and she was apparently um, concerned with all the swearing as well. So, I await the Nan Boltwood Twitter account coming out soon. I await that with, uh, with much excitement. Before that, though, guys, we've got to talk about some actual football. There's been a lot of it tonight, the biggest result of which. Liverpool hammering Everton 4 0, Lawrence. That was a comprehensive big... win and another great yes. result for Jurgen Klopp's side. Liverpool aside with great confidence right now. Um, you know, and Everton aside with not very much confidence. Liverpool have won, f- I think, five of their last seven, and Everton have won five of their last 22. That was going into this game. And then you look at the, you know, the passing combination of the two sides, the, um, the, the way that Everton approached this game was clearly that. You know, they were on the back foot going into Anfield. Anfield, again, another great atmosphere, going to yet another sort of Anfield-esque game. It was pretty much the perfect situation for Jurgen Klopp starting the match. Um, it's not ended in, in the same way. I mean, 4-0 is a fine result. It wasn't actually a great game to watch because, you know, 4 nils actually tend to be quite boring. Satisfying for Liverpool, but not actually that satisfying because there was very little competition. Um, you know, Everton created a couple of chances, and I was actually really impressed with what, the way that Romelu Lukaku led the line yet again. For Everton, uh, fueling yet more rumours to do with him and Chelsea and saying he has unfinished business there. But then down the other end, I was impressed with, uh, you know, the combination of Lalana, Origi, Firmino and Coutinho. Um, and, you know, as the game went on, that just became ever more prevalent. Liverpool players basically lining up to take shots against 10 men who were backed off as soon as Furious Moray got sent off when he, yes. you know, went straight through Awful Origi's tackle, ankle. Completely. Yeah. Spraining his ankle and uh, damaging ligaments. And, you know, Liverpool's best, most informed player, um, Origi, is now out for a while and disappointing, really, because, you know, Chan's gone out for the rest of the season. Origi's definitely out now for the rest of the season. Um, And, you know, essentially that means that Liverpool are going to have to look at their striking options. Daniel Sturridge, is it Christian Benteke? Uh, Daniel Sturridge, of which came on. And is now uh, faster to 50 goals, I think it's 50 goals to Liverpool, for Liverpool, than um, Rush, Torres and a number of other top strikers. So, you know, I mean, people criticise him. I know it's been done over a lot of time, but, um, you know, look, look at where he is. He's doing, doing fantastic stuff. 50 goals in 87 appearances for Liverpool. There you go. So faster than uh, Rush, Torres... A number of other players. In there. Also impressed with James Milner. Now, Lawrence, man of the match tonight. He's got really? 11 assists in 2016, three more than any other player. I think if you were told Liverpool fans at the in start the of the season, yes, I think if you told yeah. Liverpool fans at the start of the season, Milner will be their captain, man of the match in the Merseyside derby, one of the most important players. Their head might have exploded. Captain by, captain by default, not necessarily a man of the mm-hmm. match in the derby. Um, but he's been, yeah, he's been good. He deserves credit for that. As does Firmino for reaching double figures this season. Uh, you know, it's difficult to adjust to the Premier League, and he's obviously done that very quickly, being in and out of the team in a transitional season with a new manager, picking up a system very well. Um, you know, I think it was said in the commentary that a number of players have been almost given chances by default. Milner's obviously not one of those. Milner definitely needs to work on his uh, um, set pieces, shall we put it. When the ball's in play, he's fantastic at crossing it. But you put it anywhere near the quadrant... And he's just, it's as if he doesn't know where the ball is. Um, It's unusual. Ibe, Alan, Lucas, Moreno all playing tonight and again putting in uh, impressive performances. Just a few weeks ago, I, you know, tweeting out uh, or Instagramming, you know, that he felt the door was closing. People reading into that, that he felt like he was leaving Liverpool. Either that, either he's putting himself in the shop window here or he's certainly putting a case forward as to why Klopp, when he looks into the market in the summer, maybe needs to look for people to compliment as opposed to replace. What about Everton then, Dave? I mean, Kieran XD at DannyOB997 tweets in, should it be time up for Martinez? Everton have underperformed so much this season. I rate him, but defensively terrible. Firstly, I'd like to apologise to the listeners, Adam, for your incorrect Premier League assist stat. Actually, hey. you're unfairly not awarding Christian Eriksen the six assist as that is joint top with Milner in 2016. So apologies to Christian Eriksen. Hey, I'm you, happy you made to. a bit of a mistake I'm there, mate. But we'll let you we'll let you away with that. Regarding Martinez, Thanks. yeah, I think 
Squawker stats up in the shit, though, do they? This is a point, mate. Who's, who scored the stats, really? You know what I mean? But um, really interesting. <laughs> okay. Martinez, uh, Martinez, Everton at the start of the season were compact. They looked very, very good on the counter-attack. They're quite a nice balance where they had... They were sort of playing three in their midfield four. They were playing three central midfielders and one sort of attacker. And it broke like a 4-3-3, but defensively they were, they were a 4-4-2. And they've just stopped doing that. You know, games at the start of the season against Southampton, they thumped them 3-0. They hardly had a kick of the game, but they just scored three goals on the counter-attack. Now it just seems that like Everton can't defend for, to save their life at the moment. You know, John Stones, who is still a wonderful defender and is still a very, very good player, looks... Shot of confidence, you know, late, late in Baines is he no more. He gave away that ball for the third goal as well, John Stones. A poor pass, you know, let Liverpool in easily. That's not what we'd expect mm. to, to see from John Stones, especially at the start of the season when, of course, he was, he's been banded about for 50 million. But I think that's the problem with, you know, young, over-hyping young players. They, they, sometimes if they do start making mistakes, the media jumps on them, bang, confidence is gone. Um, and it's big. Martinez, you know, got taken off, didn't he, John Stones? Yes. Uh, you know, shortly after the incident. What, what are you playing at in terms of man management? If you want to play a certain style of football and, and you make a mistake playing out the back, don't take a player off. That's just, that's Louis van Gaal-esque. Oh, come on, Dave. I, I feel like this is, uh, you know, Everton can play this a number of ways. You know, it's quite clear at this season that the league is, you know, well, it's just nothing at this point. There's nothing for them really to gain from it, but they, they seem safe. Um, and then, you know, you obviously look to the FA Cup. I personally keep Martinez for that. Uh, the problem being, you know, basically they don't have anyone else to bring in. If if they've got someone else and they are seriously thinking about replacing him in the long term, then it's probably better to do it now than uh, post FA Cup game. It's just such a short turnaround. The players don't look like they have, aren't playing with very much confidence in the system. To sit that many men behind the ball, etc., just doesn't seem um, in in. Uh, to sort of fit with what Martinez was looking to do, like Dave said at the beginning of the season. Um, but the thing with Everton is they do have investment now. They do have money coming in. So are they going to give him a war chest or are they going to give someone else a war chest? I just wonder if they're trying to make it hobble through to the end of the season at this point. But you don't want to be hobbling in the FA Cup where you've, you know, you've got a chance of winning something. Surely they weren't replacing before the FA Cup semi-final though. I mean, Adam, you know, who are they going to bring this team, in? This team have just lost four nil. This team have just lost four well, nil. I mean, we, we saw a, we saw a managerial change after the last Merseyside derby, obviously with Liverpool. It does feel like one yeah. is coming, but I tend to think they'll probably wait until the end of the season to assess it before pulling the trigger now. Especially it, when it, it I mean, who are the options? Moyes bringing Moyes back. I mean, I mean that. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, there's that, um, and then you've got some of the old guard who, of course, be happy with that we've seen, we've seen the comments from uh, Leighton Baines. We've obviously seen what Funes Mori did out on the pitch there. A frustrated player. It's nothing to do really with directly with getting rid of a manager, but it certainly is uh, to do with aggression out on the pitch, maybe mis- misplaced aggression. Klopp said pre-match, you know, if you're going to get anyone injured out there, injure yourself. Don't injure anyone else. And it was really disappointing because. You know, that's Origi who's doing fantastically. You know, just as he's coming into his prime and definitely looking towards the Euros, that's taken him out of action for what looks like a while because it's ligament damage and, you know, a sprained ankle, which is at least, you know, two to three weeks for, for professional players. In terms of uh, Martinez, I mean, we mentioned it a few weeks ago, maybe Duncan Ferguson is an option. But either way, as I mentioned there, Liverpool obviously made that managerial change after last Merseyside derby. Clock coming in, Lawrence. And we, yeah, but it was very saw- clear that they had they had a successor. They had someone there. They had someone in mind, up. of course, you know, yes. But six months in now, I, I believe, um, a few weeks ago, we were talking about how they were struggling for consistency, couldn't string back-to-back wins together. After tonight, that's now four in a row in all competitions. 13 goals scored in those last four matches. Seven conceded. But, you know, no wonder Jürgen looked so happy on the bench tonight. And the, the atmosphere around Liverpool certainly changed when Klopp came in, but now it's reached fever pitch after that. Well, the heroics yeah. in the Europa League. Well, I mean, I mean, for me, it's it's you know that that's all well and good. Um, it you know, Klopp talks about passion. This is a perfect cocktail, really, for him and, and Liverpool. Liverpool fans love this point in the season if they're still in competition, still looking to compete, and can still sort of inflict themselves on the other side. It's really when the, the problem that Liverpool teams have had in the past have been those games where they need to put in a performance, and then they haven't put in a performance. So, you know, the sort of you know the Stokes and those kind of guys. Um, you know, that's why I think Liverpool fans were sort of so heartened by the performance against someone like Bournemouth, because it's, it was sort of like coming off the back of such a great win and sort of, you know, what have we done to a fairly run-of-the-mill game, as, as a lot of people would consider it. 
And so they were happy that Liverpool could win 2-0. But they've got to do that regularly. That's where Liverpool have fallen down over the last few years. Not in the big games, not been in the big games where Liverpool have never felt like they could compete. Klopp's got to bring in some form of consistency there. So it's mm. really about what he does in the off-season. But like they say, well, yeah. but and, and, you know, obviously we're seeing that as well. It's fantastic that... Um, you know, we're, we're seeing so many parallels with the past. You know, it's 35 years since Bill Shankly passed away. Um, it could be the season where Liverpool go on to mark that by winning the Europa League. Um, you know, the manager who succeeded in Bob Paisley was uh, a manager who would tell players not necessarily the overall tactics of the game, but would tell them the small details they needed to enact out on the pitch. And young players such as Stewart and such as uh, Brad Smith and uh, Ibe and... Uh, there's one other player in there, but I can't remember who, uh, all sort of commented on the fact that, you know, he keeps it fairly simple for them and he just tells them to go out on the pitch and um, act on what they need to do and sort of tells them about what their role is. And that's fantastic. Um, and not only that, but he's got a really good front line kind of clicking and putting things together. And, you know, when it doesn't work, it's really on the players, not so much him. Um, they, they obviously welcome Newcastle this weekend. As it stands, manager Liverpool just six points behind Arsenal in fourth. They have a game in hand on both United and West Ham in fifth and sixth. Jordan Gallagher tweets in, could Liverpool still get top four flying and have better fixtures than United and West Ham? More favourable fixtures. What do you reckon? Bit of an ask? Yeah, no, it is a bit of an ask. But I, I, what I do like is that, you know, when, when Klopp's been asked about it, he said, yeah, what, why... You know, of course, we're going to try and win all the games between now and the end of the season. Liverpool have a lot of winnable games. I do sort of worry without another striking option up front. Uh, what he's going to do? How he's going to manage to rotate those players? Because Sturridge has been fantastic rotating. Lawrence. You're going to win the Europa League. So it's fine. You're going to qualify. For if, if Liverpool do win the Europa League, <laughs> if Liverpool do win the Europa League and they get top four, <laughs> does that mean that then un... it goes to fifth place? I don't even. I don't know. That's no, un... I don't think so. <laughs> I'll be interesting. Do you remember? Push, do you remember that season where uh, I think Lib- I can't. Yeah, there, there's got to be some sort of rule like that, though, right? There, yeah, there's someone. Some I mean, who? who then surely it would go to fifth because who else gets the place? Who who's going to get the place then? Because obviously, if Liverpool come up, then that's four people from England. But then you've still not got the winner of the Europa League coming through. You still got to sort. You still got to make the numbers add up. I think it might go to like a. Like a like, they'll add, a, add maybe two teams to the qualifying round. That maybe okay, but then into... surely they'd add, surely they'd add the fifth place English team because that that's the benefit of the English league. So I think they go to like a like countries with lower coefficients. So they basically the from the first round of qualifying to actually get into the Champions League group stage. I think they add one in there and then it'll just continue. I I see what you're saying, Dave, but at the same I time, I think this only thing. I think I I definitely don't think that it goes to the Premier League, the fifth Premier League team. It might go to the runner-up of the Europa League. Interesting. Okay, uh, so it would it's go something to... that we should probably look at or get some people to tweet in and tell us what happens. Yeah, that'll be too. That'll be exactly on time and not too late. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, talk to me about Manchester United. Then they're in fifth in that race for fourth, just a point behind the Gunners now, two behind Man City. Impressive performance tonight against Palace, or is it just more of the same? The mighty Man United now, Adam, have won six consecutive Premier League games at Old Trafford, My keeping a whopping God. five clean sheets in the process. My God. Um, today it was it was the you know the savey savey Man United we all know and love this season. <laughs> um, you know the first goal was a a, diff, a a cross that Delaney just slammed into his own goal, and then beautiful finish. Beautiful and, finish. Yeah, the, the second goal was a, an absolute cracker from Darmian from a corner. Um, United decided not to take a short corner in this instant, whipped it into the box, came to the edge of the area, and Darmian banged it in. But I think the, the positives of the game, Morgan Schneiderlin played as a, a single holder in midfield and was absolutely brilliant. Did everything right, both in a defensive and offensive um, mindset. You know, he held the space very well when needed to in front of the back four, came out and pressed when there was an opportunity, trapped runners into the back four when he needed to, shuttled out to cover the full-backs when he needed to, on the ball, he was dropping between the centre-backs, spreading the play, allowing the full-backs to attack. Um, you know, when the United were moving the ball in the final third, if he'd gone ahead of the other two central midfielders, he was very concerned about moving behind them and covering his space again. It was just a very mature performance from Morgan Schneider. He really controlled the game there, completed more passes than any other player on the pitch, 85, really set the tempo for the game, you know, kept it secure. United looked very secure when Palace counter-attacked, which is quite interesting because United had been caught out 
so many times this season, but it is massively to do with playing one holding midfielder instead of two. It makes a massive difference in football when you play with high fullbacks. Something that some teams have forgotten, especially in Europe. You know, Damian and Antonio Valencia were both absolutely brilliant. And Wayne Rooney played a little bit in central midfield. So it's quite interesting altogether. But just another sort of grinding out results and, and you know, trying to get to this top four. For me, the race for the top four, um, you've got to hit that 40 point mark. No, sorry, the 70 point mark. I think that's going to be it. To get 70 points, 40 point mark. <laughs> so that means United need uh, 11 points from their last four games. Um, and Arsenal, obviously, Arsenal and City need less than that. So, mm-hmm. And Liverpool probably need even more, obviously. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens come the end of the season, Adam. Do you think if Manchester United finish fourth, do you think fans' opinions of Louis van Gaal will change? You know, that's kind of an achievement in a way, considering how bad they've been. Well, it's an achievement considering how bad they've been, but it's not an achievement <laughs> for the football they're playing or anything like that. Um, it just, I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that some of these players get more chances than they're getting this season because United just don't create chances. They had a lot of shots today, though. To be fair, they had a lot of shots on goal. Spironi had a really good game. To be fair to him, the United um, are averaging what six shots on goal, shots on target this season, and um, against Crystal Palace, I think they had around ten shots that were saved or on target. It was a, it was a better display, let's say, but it was still not setting the world alight. There were some moments where United could have really killed the game. You know, Rashford was put through on two occasions, once by Wayne Rooney, once by Antonio Valencia. So it was better than what we've seen. Let's put it that way. It's a, it was improved than the last game, but it's not. that's not really saying much. But still, the FA Cup semi-final against the, you know, an Everton team that's just been trounced by Liverpool. It's looking quite good for Manchester United come mm. the end of the season. Still three points ahead of West Ham, who won 3-1. Tonight at home against Watford, Carroll with yet another goal. Andy Carroll scored six, assisted one, 375 minutes on the pitch. That one comes from Kristen Hennage. Should he go to the Euros though, Lawrence? That's the real no. question. See you later. <laughs> Moving on around the Premier League this week, we had Newcastle drawing with Man City, Lawrence, giving them hope in the battle yeah. against relegation. Yeah. Now, I've got my choice. Rightly so out. as well. Of course. Benitez. If only they brought in Benitez yep. a bit earlier. Maybe. A beautiful board. I got my chalkboard out. I've been doing my calculations. I've been doing all sorts of equations. I've been doing algebra, brackets. Wow. All sorts. Wow. This is impressive. And by my I mean, that's, calculations, that's by my extremely complicated mathematical equations, I had to carry one over and everything. Newcastle mm-hmm. are going to stay up. Now, hear me out. Oh, my Newcastle God. Have got Liverpool, Palace, Villa, and Spurs. They're not going to get points against Liverpool. <laughs> they're not going to get points against Spurs. But I reckon they're going to beat Palace and they're going to beat Villa. That's six <clears> points, guys. That takes them up to 35 points. Wow, but that's low. Norwich have got Arsenal, Manchester United, Watford and Everton. Now, I know Everton aren't that great. But I reckon they're only going to get three points from those four games. That's 34 points, putting them below Newcastle. Sunderland... We've got Arsenal, Stoke, Chelsea, Everton and Watford. Again, I think only three points for Sunderland. Despite the fact they beat Norwich. That puts them on 33 points. Newcastle staying up. You heard it here first. Take it to the bank. Do what you want with it. I'm telling you. Rafa Benitez has the bank saved aren't gonna care. Newcastle. What are the bank going to do with that? Adam. Put some Hello. money on it, mate. I'd like to bank Put a set of results, on it. please. Yes. Right, Adam, okay. I, just, I just loaded up one of my spreadsheets, mate. Yeah, do your cal- and oh, I, 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 your I added some numbers. calculations. I, I, don't need a chalkboard. I didn't do any. Didn't do any calculations. I just put inputted some data. <laughs> press go, and it came out with, unfortunately, Sunderland staying up because of the <laughs> big Sam factor. You are no- and unfortunately, Sunderland go on a run and they win the last four games according to my equations. Big Sam gets his tactics right yeah, and destroys the Stoke, league. Chelsea, Everton, Amber. and then well, that's not that's not the end of the story. Next season, Sunderland go on to win the Premier League. Hey, stranger things have happened. Right, stranger things have, have they? I'm not sure they have. But <laughs> all right, and then Big Sam gets that big move to Real Madrid, and we can all be done. I think your computer's broken, Dave. Do you know how it normally? Sort of tries to take off and it explodes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, that, yeah, that maybe he's having a bit of a bad day. I believe, Lawrence. You don't believe? I think Rafa's going to do it. He's going to do it. I believe. Yeah. I believe that they will win. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, I think we've seen uh, Rafa's ways coming in more and more. The uh, rigidity, the way that he can move players in and out. People were talking, you know, about 
started the game without Mitrovic and Shelby, brought those two guys on. They made a real difference to the match. Um, you know, I, I, either way, I think people are either going to find ways to praise or criticise him. No, either way, and criticise Newcastle. Personally, I'd like to see Newcastle stay in the league, just because I think if they do, there's a lot more um, to be gained from having someone like Newcastle in the league. Um, you know, I think they're a fantastic side, and I think they represent that area well. We're also probably going to see Middlesbrough come up with Karanka. I think that'll be fantastic. He himself, obviously, a huge character, gained a lot more control at the club over the last few weeks. So, you know, there's still a lot to be said for that area. But it would be sad to see both Sunderland and Newcastle go down. That's probably a nightmare scenario for both those clubs because, you know, not both of those guys can get the top two next season. Mm. Before we go around the rest of Europe tonight, then, elsewhere this midweek in the Premier League... Can't give a mention to Spurs, guys, surely. A 4-0 win at the Britannia Stadium. People were saying this was going to be a tough fixture, a wet Monday night at the Potteries. <laughs> in the Midlands. In the Midlands. It's tough. 4-0, Dave. Arguably, Spurs' best performance this season. Oh, some of their play was, was unbelievable. The combination play between their attacking players was just ridiculously good. You know, Deli Ali should have probably scored that hat trick. That miss oh, was quite yeah, he funny. Have scored that but <laughs> you know, the the goals he did score were, were absolutely exceptional. exceptional. Pieces of play um, similar with Harry Kane. Just it's clicking for Spurs. It really is. It's quite interesting. Leicester City seem like they're struggling over the line, like Chelsea did last season, and Tottenham are really going on a bit of a run at the moment, which An is incredibly well-oiled machine. They look like every single aspect was working, as you say. Deli Ali in attacking midfield. Harry Kane with an absolute peach of an opening goal. Eric Lamella keeping up his fantastic form. Christian Eriksen tying everything together. Dembele and Dyer absolute tanks in the middle. Can they do it though, Lawrence? That is the question. I'm still saying no because Leicester only need eight points. Yeah, it's less to do with um, Spurs' own yes. performances this season. It's more to do with what Leicester are going to do. Um, Leicester probably do need those points. I think Leicester are um, going to look back and think, you know, it's good that they set themselves up for this point in Spurs will maybe regret the loss of a couple of points. Didn't they draw against Liverpool earlier in the season? And you know, you sort of look at the results well, at that point. Lost to Leicester at home, and that feels like the one that might have been yeah. the one to turn it. And also, uh, it's just you know, maybe if they're ahead in the North London closer, derby, there's, there's more pressure. There. Was, uh, was also a big yeah. mistake. But Leicester have got Swansea next at home. You'd expect them to win that even without Vardy. They've got Manchester United uh, away. Everton at home and Chelsea away. Normally you'd think, you know, they, they could drop points there, but Manchester United, although Dave, you're talking about, was it Come six on. home wins in a row, did you say? Was yeah, six consecutive home wins in the Premier League. Is that the one potential banana skin, do we think, then? Oh, well, they're not going to have Jamie Vardy for that, and that was sort of their big threat against Manchester United, was the pace in behind. United can't really cope with that this season. So I do think there's going to be a there's going to be a real big game. I don't, you know, the, the problem with this Everton team is that if they can get that little bit of form they had at the start of the season back, however they do that, whether Martinez does finally get the boot or he stays and yeah. flips it round like he's done at Wigan, that he did at Wigan so many times, then that could be a banana skin. Then it's going to be imagine the final day of the season. You know, Ch- Tottenham need Chelsea to beat Ever to beat Leicester. That is <laughs> going to be so funny. Over, would they not? And not and. Yeah, probably like 11 youth players from the under-16s. Yeah, and not yeah. only that, but I mean, Adam, I know that your predictions say that Newcastle may already be safe by that point. Mm. But imagine if, and I think other podcasts have said this already, last day of the season it comes down to Newcastle need points to stay up and Spurs need points to win the league. Oh, and those two be. sides go. I mean, Spurs at that point are absolutely ripping the anus out of uh, Newcastle. But <laughs> even then, <laughs> even, even then, then. It's an exciting Rafa Benitez S. You can just imagine Rafa just like getting inside to bunker down, frustrating the other team, and having sort of a Mitrovic's Craig Bellamy almost. You uh, do wonder you if, know, it is, is it, if it is going to come down to the last day. Chelsea at home against Leicester. Will they throw it? Will they maybe in the game beforehand against Tottenham at home? Is that the game where they're finally going to uh, actually uh, wake up from this sort of sleepwalk they're doing towards the end of the season? Um, we will have to wait and see. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, good. Uh, has anyone else seen these lovely comments from Roy Hodgson? I just read them on Twitter. Uh, yeah, it's about on. Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy's uh, Jamie Vardy going down. Obviously, it says uh, all the pundits. I hear them say, uh, "I'll do it in Roy's voice." No, I can't. All the pundits they hear him say, "He dived. Look how he dived." I don't see it. I really don't. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, when you finish any sentence or begin any sentence with the phrase, I'm. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm sorry. What you're tending, to unco- you're tending to unconsciously say is, I know I'm not speaking the truth. I'm sorry. To be fair, he does have to almost back his player, doesn't he? It's very difficult no, for him not to. Um, Around Europe then, Barcelona, Dave, they're in crisis. They've lost four games in a row. Mm, Rique is all over. Ford. Messi is past yeah, it. Oh, no, wait, hang on. They, they won 8 nil tonight. 8 <laughs> nil. All those articles that people wrote, they look great now. <laughs> as if Put them in the bin. Snap judgments from game to game. Anyway, Dave, 8 nil against Deportiva Bacarunia. Now, they're running on paper is relatively simple. And you'd argue that this game almost represented their toughest test with Deportivo being the highest placed out of those games in the final stretch. 8-0, it's just what they needed. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Deportivo aren't a bad unit this season. Uh, Lucas, Lucas Perez up front has been pretty awesome in, in you know carrying Deportivo on his back. But they've, they've never looked too bad when they're together. But 8-0 is incredible. Luis Suarez scored four goals and got three assists and completed 93% of his passes. That's unbelievable. The record, Dave. He has broke original Ronaldo's record of 47 goals in one season for Barcelona, which dated back to the 1996-97 season. Suarez has now got a massive 49. 49. Also, sixth hat-trick of the season, tying him a level with a certain other Ronaldo. But the question is, Adam, is he Francesco Totti? Oh, no, he isn't. You no. bring up Francesco no. Totti. He's quite literally not Francesco Totti. <laughs> but you bring up a question elsewhere around, uh, around Europe. Set the scene for me, Dave. Set the scene for me. So, you know, Roma, you know, ch- challenging for that Champions League spot. Fiorentina just on their back. Fiorentina hitting a little bit of form. You know, Roma go, playing at home against Torino, go down um, two goals to one. 86th minute, Keita gets brought off a defensive midfielder. Totti comes on. 87th minute, scores the first goal. 88th minute, scores a penalty, turns the game around. Roma win 3 2. The legend of Totti continues. Um, but, and now, correct me if I'm wrong, did he not do this at the weekend as well? Maybe to draw Roma level? Yes, so he, the game. yeah. So Roma were winning, I think they're winning 3 2 1, sorry, and then it came back and they, they were losing 3 2, and then he came off and again rescued them. Bit of controversy around Totti. Um, obviously, Spalletti choosing not to start him in games. Totti showing, not exactly showing his appreciation for being left on the bench. Sort of giving the the appearance that he believes a player of his stature, of his legendary status, deserves more. He is 39 years old, though, so you can see why he's not starting the games. And in many ways, Spalletti has showed how to use Totti. You bring him on as that impact sub, and we've seen this week how effective that can be. Of course, he's on his way to, to Leicester now. So what does it matter? He's coming to the English champions. It's all good. Of course he is. <laughs> That's definitely, definitely happening. Definitely a thing. He's, uh, he's actually on his way to join the New York Cosmos. It's Totti. So really? it's one hell of a farewell he's given to, to Roma. I would have loved to have seen him break the Serie A record. He's got, I believe he's got about 30, 40 goals to go. So it's not, it's not going to happen, unfortunately. But well, it's, 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 you never know. It's a brilliant way to, to bring to end, you know, a, I believe it's a 24-year career with Roma. 
yeah um he's been fantastic in that time hasn't he hasn't he been good hasn't he been a bit of a legend the only the only thing that let him down was um doing that selfie celebration wasn't it uh maybe in some people's minds but I think in a lot of people's minds, that's cemented. That's Legendary status. Yeah, I think people, oh, you see, people I, enjoyed I that, that a, as a bit of a, I saw that as a little bit of marketing. I yeah. think it was Nike who asked him to do it. Um, Did they? So it disappointed. Yeah, I think really so. I don't, I don't think he sort of came up. My dreams. Well, no, or, or just say the truth. Um, <gasps> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, sh- I, he, he's been incredible. You know, I, I remember a time where there were a number of top sides in Europe who wanted to sign him. You know, he had the possibility of moving to Real Madrid. Uh, and to spend such a long time at one club, especially one club that's sort of always been in a very interesting phase, has been. Um, it, should, it does show real dedication from one guy, and it, you know, Roma are a very special team, and Totti is a huge part of that. Mm. Now, Herr Solomon has slid into the DMs. If you want to slide into the DMs, guys, at the front three, they are open. They are open for business. <laughs> Solomon has slid in, and he said, "Totti, closer, Zlatan." Seems like nowadays players can still thrive way beyond the age of 30. Will we see more of that in the future thanks to modern medicine and other scientific progress? What do you reckon, Dave? Yeah, I think you, you definitely will see that with the improvement of fitness and you know the integra- the, using things like yoga and that type of thing. We've seen that revolutionise a number of players' careers. You know, Ryan Giggs, a big believer of that. Ian Robin has done a lot of yoga under Pep Guardiola. So, yeah, I think we will see players with longer careers. But then on the flip side of that, we'll probably see players that might peak, like, for example, Wayne Rooney that started his career off at the age of 16, similar to Totti, that will peak around 25, 26, and then they'll be on a bit of a downward spiral. So they'll probably still be playing at that age. You know, you're looking at 40, but they won't be at the same level they are. But then you will get the ones that have got the long careers. I think it's... Maybe it's just naturally what people, you know, it's, it's not more to do with people's bodies uh, before um, and after. It's not really an environmental thing. It's how they've actually been born and what they've got. Nature and how far they're going to go. Yeah, that's what I was searching for, Lawrence. Thanks, mate. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Cheers, mate. You're yeah, great. Cheers, Dave. Thanks, Dave. No, you're great. Elsewhere <laughs> in Europe, Borussia Dortmund Day winning three 0 against Hertha Berlin, meaning they're through to the DFB Pokal final against Bayern mm. Munich. A dare classical. Final doesn't look like they're going to win the Bundesliga um, as relatively close as it is. This could be a chance for them to get that silverware and uh, get one over on Bayern Munich. Yeah, interesting enough, they knocked them out the um, competition last uh, season on penalties. Mario Goethe missing the, the key penalty. It was a great moment for Borussia Dortmund fans out there. Um, but hopefully they, they obviously lost to Wolfsburg in the final of, of Kevin De Bruyne in that game was so good he just destroyed Dortmund on his own but um, no it'd be, really, yeah, it'd be brilliant final in Berlin I think is it the 21st of May it is it is indeed because that would be potentially on my football bucket list if I were to have one Adam I did look up tickets when I uh, just saw the uh, when I saw Dortmund got through the original thing I saw was £335 a ticket it is now yeah Dave I'm in. Back, back off, back, back off, Dave. That's you you in, Lawrence? Save well, up I'm that pocket in. money, mate. Yeah. Smash open oh, the right, piggy okay. bank, and we will be oh, okay. there. Now, <laughs> how about transfer news, Dave? I want to talk a little bit of transfer gossip. Now, we were talking about Borussia Dortmund just then. Mm. Now, talk to me a little bit about Usman Dembele. And this is a name that has been linked with almost every big club in Europe. You know, the biggest of the biggest. Tottenham. Uh, Manchester United, Bayern Munich, but apparently, Bild are reporting, Borussia Dortmund have snapped him up already. Now, that, talk to that's the same paper that reported today that Lukaku had been around the Borussia Dortmund training facility. Oh, no, that, oh sorry, that was Sky Germany was saying that uh, Lukaku was seen around the Borussia Dortmund training facilities, which potentially is all rubbish. But in terms of Osman Dembele, boy, what a talent we have on our hands here. Um, wrong this season. Um, he's carried them at points. He's a very pacey winger, plays on the right-hand side. Um, very, very skillful. Got a brilliant ability to accelerate and decelerate really quickly, which obviously is tricky in your defenders. Get you falling over and good at cutting in. Got a pretty decent shot on him. Can take a set piece. Um, and in terms of goals and assists, he's, uh, I think he's the, around the top of players under the age of 21 and doing very well on, with players under the age of 23. And he's definitely a talent. It'll be interesting to see where he plays 
um, eventually, whether he does play through the middle or he does play out wide right. I quite like him uh, as a right winger. He looks, he's got both, but he can go both ways. You know, players like Cristiano Ronaldo, players that can go on the outside and can go on the inside. Obviously, Ronaldo did lose that a little bit moving on the left-hand side, but when Ronaldo was on the right, he could do both. It's quite similar to Osman Dembele. Very, 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 very quick. You know, 12 goals this season in Liga and five assists. And he's he only started playing. He only got into the first team in November. So he sort of had, what, two-thirds of a season and he's wrapped up those type of stats, which is pretty decent. And it's, the really incredible thing, though, is his ability to dribble past an opponent. So he's attempted 131 take-ons in Liga and completed 94 of them. So maybe those numbers are a bit over your head, but that means that you've got a success rate of 72%. That's like Lionel Messi's success rate. Lionel Messi's up in the 70s, and if Usman Dembele has got a similar record to that, obviously, you know, some players don't translate stats across the league. You know, players like uh, Angulo Conte had brilliant tackle stats and inception stats that transferred to the Premier League easily, but Usman Dembele looks like a player that could do that, that could continue having that ability of scoring goals, getting assists, and just generally creating play, and he'd be great for he'd be great for any team that needs a right winger. And it's quite interesting that there is sort of a power vacuum of right wingers in European football right now. Is that there's no natural right wingers, and he could fit into that bracket. So, how much money is he going to be? Eighteen yeah. years old as well. Teams falling Ridiculous. over themselves to sign this guy. Um, you, you mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo there, Dave. The reports coming out today in the Spanish press that he's actually expected to renew his contract with Real Madrid until 2020. Now, previously, widely believed to be leaving this summer, be it to PSG, be it to Manchester United, be it to MLS or somewhere like that. Well, Lawrence, what do you make of this news? Is it something to do with the fact that he's been playing out of his skin in the last month or so? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a great... It's a good rumour Mm. Uh, I'll get Adam. Do you want to hear something out of five? I'll go four out of five for that. Yeah, you reckon that's happening? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Do you not think we've had a lot of talk about? It does fluctuate every couple of months with Real Madrid and Ronaldo. Every time his form sort of dips, you know, the, the, the Madrid press is sort of talking about how he needs to be moved on. That he's become too much of a a distraction almost at the club, and he needs to make way so players like Gareth Bale can sort of achieve their their potential. But as soon as he, you know, he has a performance like he did against Wolfsburg uh, just a few weeks ago, all of a sudden they want to keep their greatest goal scorer. You know, he's the best player they've ever seen. Well, I think obviously there's ways to inflate the price of certain players, or you know, work out how you're going to get your market value. I do think it also uh, under Rafa Benitez, I think it would have been quite clear that Ronaldo was going to get moved on in the end because his position was changing, and maybe he wasn't so happy with that. Um, although maybe that does show sort of player power there. Um, and how important that is. I, I think that's very much going to be down to Ronaldo and Jorge Mendes and how quickly and how much money they think they can get uh, into Ronaldo's pocket as opposed to into anyone else's pocket. Um, uh, the, the problem being it changes every week, essentially, because mm. you know one minute he wants to stay, the next minute he wants to go, one minute Real Madrid wants to stay, the next minute uh, Florentino Perez wants him to go. Speaking of Jorge Mendes and speaking of changes every week, PSG have offered Jose Mourinho a job, Dave. Now, is this uh, <laughs> some classic negotiating through the press, through Mourinho, through Mendes? Well, I think there's some truth to this one because I don't think there's any secret that PSG are dissatisfied with the fact that although Laurent Blanc did win the league in March, essentially that early exit from the Champions League was never likely to go down well. And Mourinho is obviously someone that PSG and their hierarchy have coveted for a while now. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one whether it, Jorge Mendes is trying to force Man United's hand or whether this is just press absolute rubbish that's been come out of wherever. Um, obviously, Sky are a pretty decent source usually, but sometimes these things can explode. Now, if we did go back and did some analysis on all the rumours that they did say was going on, you, it could be a load of crap that you see. But for me, you know, Mourinho has mentioned in the past that he's not a massive fan um, of. Uh, Liga, he doesn't see it as one of the top leagues in, in Europe, uh, obviously quite disrespectful to the league previously but um, PSG have a load of money but Man United equally have a lot of money have a lot of pull so I do kind of think he's already signed for Manchester United but if he doesn't then this is football anything can happen there you, there you have it this is football some excellent sitting on the fence from both pundits there. 
But I think I he's going to sign. I think he's already signed for United. My uh, sources have told me. My ketchup, mayonnaise, mustard. Who's your? Oh, very good. <laughs> it's a play on words. Sources, sources. Um, now, do we have any other business, gents? Before we wrap <laughs> up this, this, this wonderful podcast. I mean, Come have on, you seen any news them. you want to discuss? Any uh, footballing issues you're dying to debate? One, one thing I did want to talk about was over the past week, we obviously went to um, we went to Liverpool uh, yes, v Dortmund. Now, we've already spoken about the game. Everyone's already... Obviously, we've pushed all the views towards that video. Massive. Now, the, the point is in the comments below, a lot, a lot of people get pissed off with a couple of things out of me. It sort of brought the question of authenticity in football up. First of all, let's talk about half and half scarves. Where do you guys stand on, and why? Well, I, want, I don't care if you go, oh, I hate half and half scarves. That's fine. If you hate them, that's fine. You've got to give me a good reason as to why. Because my reason for buying a half and half scarf, which didn't go into this video, was that I already mm. have 10 other Liverpool scarves at home. Mm. Now, I wanted, to give, I wanted to give this scarf away to someone or you know, work out a way of sort of you know, making it a, a prize that we could get. So I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to go buy a half and half scarf before the game. It's a nice scarf both sides singing never walk alone there's a link with a clock between the two at least you're buying a scarf where there's a link between the two clubs and i can actually see it and i'm going to go to Anfield on that night that's going to be a great memory i've got 20 other liverpool scarves and i don't need the rest that's my reason behind buying a half and half scarf what what do you think adam i didn't see the problem to be honest in the liverpool dortmund half and half scarf because it uh, I think there's a the, the, there's a difference between those two clubs. They seem to be there seems to be a connection there. There seems to be a bond, not just because of the former manager, because of you know the you never walk alone aspect. I didn't necessarily see a problem with it, but I, I see people seem to have a problem with it in general because you see when teams like United and say Liverpool play each other, Tottenham and Arsenal play each other, those half and half scarves come out in force. And when people buy them, I think there is that suspicion, or there is that there is that view that kind of the, the tourists buy those scarves, and they're not the real fans. And again, as you say, you bring up there that 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 criticism of inauthenticity come comes to play. So I think that's why people I do, I do have a real tend to see that as a, as a problem. I, well, I, I have a real problem with inauthenticity in the game in the first place. I mean, you know, I've been doing blogging since two thousand and nine, and a huge problem. In America, it was always that people didn't really care so much about football. They cared about how much you cared they knew about the football. And so there's a comment below this video that says, oh, I hate plastic fans like this, ones that come from London, never been to Liverpool before. And I'm like, you know what, mate? You can fuck off for a start. <laughs> so, I'd, like, I'd, you know, I'd obviously, you know, if you don't have a Liverpool accent, that's fine. He was like, oh, he's taking uh, tickets off local fans. Yeah, I bought, I bought my ticket from a local fan who had a season ticket. And had another ticket to go. Like, again, another reason why you can fuck off. So I, I don't get how, you know, I mean, it's perfectly fine that people want to watch the Premier League and want to talk about Liverpool or all these kind of things. I understand certain people feel disenfranchised. Mm. But what I do find problematic is when there's a number of people who just seem to speak from a position of being, you know, sort of disenfranchised, but not particularly looking into the details as to why. Yeah. You're discussing why they don't feel like they're part of the game. Yeah, and no, that, I agree. I've got to admit, uh, I found that quite frustrating because there's probably, you know, tonight I stream the game between Liverpool and Everton illegally. I don't want to pay the money every season alone in a rented flat in London, which is what going to be what, 75, 80 pounds yeah. to be able to get those things. I think that you're. That, you're... I, I can tax write it off, whatever. I will, I will stream that illegally because you guys have priced me out of that market. Now, you know, fair enough, there's debates over who can afford it and who can't. But the point is with that, that means that there's someone around the world who lives in Dubai, there's someone around the world who lives in India who pays their subscription, who's put more money into the game of football than I have. Does that make them a more authentic fan? I, I, I think you're speaking to it there, essentially, that is almost a symptom of the problems with modern football in that fans feel disenfranchised net. They're directing their anger at the wrong thing almost. They're directed at half and half scarce because they believe you know, that's almost like a tourist souvenir of, a, of an event as opposed to you know, a sort of a tribal thing you wear to show your 
diehard affiliation with the club. They see that as a problem because the game is almost going away from the fans and going to, to more to the tourists and maybe people who aren't as dedicated or they feel like don't almost deserve to be part of their fan community. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying I mean, that, I, as I, you I, say, I would first, I'd first of all have a problem with saying it was the tourists. If you're going to have a go at anyone, have a go at the corporate boxes. Have exactly, a go at the that's what I mean. They're along. directing it. I think, I think that's, yeah, that's what it I mean, is. Essentially. They're not, but, you know, they aren't tourists. You know, if you're a tourist, I get the feeling that if you go to a game, you're going to be filling the stadium with positive energy or sort of excitement. If you're go- I, I've been to plenty of... I mean, I haven't paid for fucking football tickets in ages. I get them you know, gratis from whoever. And if I want to go to a match, I'll pay. You know, I'll pay to go and see Chris Pass or whatever. But the point is that I very often get them from people who then I'm sitting next to, they don't cheer for the entire game because they're from London and they did come to just come and see a game or sort of, you know, go to Anfield for whatever. That's what people Those criticize, guys isn't it? If, a bunch of t- if lots of tourists turn up in the stadium, they don't know the songs or they're less inclined to, to join in with the tribalism of the game. They're more likely to be taking photos and <laughs> some might say wearing their half and half scared. That's where the, the problem comes from. Now, as I say, the, the problem is not necessarily those fans. The problem is why are the conditions there that only tourists can afford tickets for these games or even want to go to these games? Why are local people not incentivized to go to these games? Why aren't you know tickets subsidized? All these sort of initiatives which could you know, make the atmosphere more authentic or more exciting. I think people direct their ire at these sort of aspects of the game because they at, feel at the like it's slipping. instead of the problem. Exactly, yeah. So as you sort of pointed out at the start, it's not necessarily the problem itself is half and half scarves, but it's the symptom of the problems with modern football as it is. I see what you're saying. I mean, at the same time, you know, I I, I think it's great that a football club, you know, the, you know, a huge problem with commercialism is obviously it's it's based on ideas which then spread around the world, but a huge great idea of football and especially with clubs like Liverpool, which are built on, you know, what Bill Shankly built ages ago or whatever, if people can share in that idea and learn something because of that, I think that's that's great. But I, I do think it sort of, you know, comes back to aggressive sort of commercialization of the game, which is taken away from people's experience of that. Dave, are you... The, the thing is, Dave gets away with it because Dave's got a Manchester accent. <laughs> you are the most authentic. Okay. Okay, wait, I that? saw that fan cam, mate. I saw your fan cam after that. <laughs> I saw your fan cam. <laughs> you went like mate, you triple north after you had a few beers. Mate, I want, to take, I want to take you back to the days when I was 18, 19, going around Europe watching United. So I've got, I've got that always in my back pocket. Yeah, that, Dave, that, that's long been, past now, though, Dave. That's, long no, no, that's the thing. And that's what, that's what I was going to say. It's, it becomes, when you've got a job and when you're working all the time, it's, it becomes more difficult to do these things. Like, I used to work a bar job and it was very flexible with hours. So I could go to fucking, go to Glasgow or go away to Monaco or go to Milan. And it was, it was a lot easier. Now you've got job commitments. It's a lot difficult. It's difficult to get you know, midweek off and that type of thing. We're going to that West Ham game. I didn't, didn't get the ticket through the club or anything. I had to pay a tout. I paid a tout an extra 55 quid for the ticket, which again is systematic of what we've created. You know, you mentioned the half and half scarves. You mentioned the corporate, which is all part of this big, horrible bubble that we've created that um, to go and watch your, your the team that you've supported all your life away from home, where the atmosphere is the, the only time where the atmosphere is actually decent. The last few times I've been to Old Trafford, I've been very disappointed about the atmosphere. It's poor. Um, you know, but going away, it's absolutely fantastic. But that's going to cost you another 55 quid or 250% of the ticket price, which, again, is something that we've created. But, like, we've got to deal with it, right? Until we can sort that problem out, you know, we've just got to pay that price. And I feel that's what we are. We're stuck in this market now where the market is clearly defined and what, what you can do, what you can't do, what you have to pay to get to watch your your team. Whereas it used to be, it used to be you know, working-class people used to be able to go to football. You could go with all your mates and, and have a good time. But now it's sort of... They've been driven out, and now, in a way, other fans are starting to get driven out. But I think we're sort of stuck. You've just got to take that commitment, I think. Mm. I mean, I, I have sympathy for everyone who's trying to pay to go and see a game. You know, everything you know, should be affordable. Um, it's, it's difficult because, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of people have said this about Liverpool. You know, one minute they sort of castigate the club for being commercial or they sort of have a go at United fans for having sold out all those years ago in the 90s but the next minute they'll be saying well why aren't we spending the big money on these big players um so I think you know it's a double it's two-sided coin really isn't it you know if you, 
it's how you get the best players and what the perception of best players is. I think the, a lot of the clubs are sort of caught in a halfway house at this point, aren't they? Um, you know, they they don't they don't want to let their fans down. You know, which is what a club like Aston Villa have, have done at this point. Um, but at the same time, they don't want to spend fifty million on someone like Tashera or you know or um, <laughs> someone like that because that is you know you're paying above market rate there. And you'd say that again, that sort of comes down to the central bodies, not even so much, which, you know, obviously they're influenced by the clubs, but FIFA and UEFA and those sorts of people need to be talking and working out how to stop that. And part of that is about player movement and working out how to get players to feel more connected to the clubs, but also freer to move when they need to be able to move so that uh, transfer fees go down and not everyone's on the brink of making millions and millions, taking agents out of that equation uh to make the same to make that amount of money at least and make it into uh something which is not just going to get you an end product of cash we've completed life i mean yeah i think we actually yeah let us know what you guys would do i'd love to know a more detailed plan because obviously we get into these sort of surface conversations i do think that uh you know there's certain bodies within football right now that are pushing for people to um be able to move more freely within the game and i think that will bring it around the next footballing money revolution but um you know if you go to people like fief pro they want players to be freer to move and also obviously uh, the clubs to be more committed to players at that point and sort of to almost be a better employer clubs aren't particularly good employers if you look at them at this point uh not from a the side of actually treating people as a human anyway you know it's very, it's all well and good treating someone as a, a valuable asset um or a customer or a consumer but when do you fulfill the human side we'll find out Real soon <laughs> on the front three. <laughs> that brings an end to this week's podcast, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Before we go, we should mention that this weekend is our first birthday. We mentioned it, it last is. week. It's our first birthday as a podcast. We've been doing this for a year. Now, the question is, what do we do to celebrate? I'm going to put out a poll on Twitter. What? For Rocher, one for Aero Rocher for every listener. That's thousands of free Rocher. I don't think I can afford thousands. Yeah, I, thought it was like, I thought it was about 10 or 11. Rochers. Yeah, <laughs> 10 or 11 Ferrero Rochers. In reality, <laughs> it's like to boost it up. Um, what do you reckon? What can the options be here? Meeting up? Beers? Kickabouts? What, what, what we could potentially do is, is in, we could like delay our party till the end of the season. Ooh. What do you reckon about that? Like a delayed birthday party. End of the season like the Queen party. Has. Yeah. But then it's not a party because we could play five aside. We could go to the to have some beers. We could play with five aside, then go and have some beers. We could just go to the Roxy. You know, there's lots Dave, of things we could do. Dave, I've I'm done it. to the Roxy, Dave. Stop <laughs> suggesting going to the Roxy all the time. You know, my vote's with the Roxy, to be honest. Uh, you know, any listeners that want to join me in the Roxy are welcome. I've done it. I've tweeted it out. <laughs> I've done it. I've tweeted out four options. The options are meet up, beers. The second option is meet up, kick about. The third option is end of season party. And the fourth option is all of the above. So the poll's out there. Have a vote on Twitter. That's what we're going to do to celebrate our first birthday. Get on it. One vote so far for 100% all of the above. Adam, is that you? Yes. No. <laughs> anyway, listen, that go- brings an end to this week's podcast. Saturday is our official birthday podcast. We may have to do something a little bit special. Maybe a Q&A about anything. It doesn't have to be football. We, we, it could be anything in we, the world. Yeah, we, yeah. well, Some yeah, sort of people special. want to know about football. Um, we, we still want to know what people's highlights are because we might go yes. back and find said highlights. Let's get some highlights in. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, until then, though, Lawrence, where can the whole find more of your face and voice and tweets? Um, good, good question. Go to Lost Cards. L-O-Z-C-A. S T Dave, what about you, Dave? L O Z C A S T. Follow me on S-T-U-A-W-K-A-D-A-V-E-S. Twitter, please. U A W K A D A V E. Lovely job. Yeah, and what about you, Adam? Burtley. Well, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Adam Boltwood. If you want to follow my dad, it's at Dad Boltwood. He's not really my dad. <laughs> Until Saturday. What about Mum Boltwood? You don't love your mum? Uh, you can also follow at Mum Boltwood. She's not my mum. 
until Saturday, until our birthday. We just need, we need to get a cake, by the way, guys. We need to get oh, some sort yeah, of cake let's get a cake, weekend. guys. Guys, let's get it. What would you? That's what you want to do. Is what you want to vote is uh, vote what we get written on the cake. It's definitely hashtag around the hole. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, most definitely. Have a lovely week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Guys, we'll see you this weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Cake. 